Brother Taylor, would you lead us to the Lord for this service? Yes, sir. God is good, isn't he? Yeah. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we thank you this morning for your love and your mercy, Lord God. Lord, as your word say, if show thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Lord, so help us, Lord God, to humble ourselves, Lord. Help us, Lord God, to, to decrease that you might increase in us, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, for those in authority, Lord. We pray for our president, Lord. God, save him, Lord God, and those that in the White House. Save the ones that are unsaved, God. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, Lord God. Meet the needs. Bless the, the people in Israel. Have your way, Lord. Set them free, Lord. Oh, God, let your divine will be done in their lives. We thank you, Lord God, for this service, Lord. Move by thy spirit. Have your way. Cleanse us through the washing of the water by the word. Heal our bodies, God. But above all, save our souls to the utmost, Lord. Help us to walk by faith and not by sight, Lord. We're living in the end time. You're coming soon, Lord. You're coming after people that's looking for you, people that's ready to meet you, Lord God. So help us to gird up the lines of our minds and to be sober and to do your will. Thank you for victory in every way, Lord God. Thank you for meeting every need that's present, God. If any come in unsaved, save them. Fill them with the Holy Ghost, God. Give us ears to hear what the Spirit saith unto the church and hearts to receive anything contained in Jesus' name. For the glory of God, amen. Amen. I, I want to read from some scripture today uh, and talk about the Enoch generation. Are we, in fact, the Enoch generation? It's a question that we need to ask ourselves if, are, uh, if we are really, really living in the last of the last days. And do we really, really believe that Jesus is coming very, very soon? A lot of prophecies being fulfilled in our generation that no one could preach like we can preach concerning the soon coming of Jesus. It's been preached ever since the first generation of Christians, but never could it be preached in light of Bible prophecy fulfilled like it can and should be and must be preached in this generation. The material message will not prepare people for the soon coming of Jesus. It will keep them earth-centered, flesh-centered, and earth-bound. If you are looking to just get rich and try to have heaven on earth through your riches, you're, lo you're not looking for the coming of the Lord. And the Bible said unto them that look, who anticipate the soon coming of Jesus, unto them that look, and by the way, if you are longing for him, you'll be looking for him. Can you say amen? The first thing you have to have is a longing for him. And I guarantee you, if you fall in love with him and you have a longing for him, you will be looking for him. Maranatha will be your, your byword as a Christian. Praise God. As many as look for him, he shall appear. The sec He's not coming for those who are not looking for him because they're not longing for him. But he's coming for those that have a healthy, holy anticipation of the soon coming of Jesus. Uh, we used to have a radio broadcast, and it came on the air with a song, one of the contemporary songs of the day. I can't wait to see Jesus, to look upon his face. Young people had that holy anticipation of his coming. It's a cleansing thing. He that hath this hope of the coming of Christ purifieth himself. Because when you live in the light of his soon coming, you, the things, what is it? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hallelujah. To get ready for the coming of Jesus, it, it, it's a constant thing because we're in not just a world but a church culture that doesn't have that as the paramount message. That's not what's trending now. Amen. Amen. I don't follow. Christians should never follow what, what is the current trend. We should want truth. I want to hear truth. I don't want to hear a preacher preach what everybody wants him to preach and everybody likes to hear him preach because the Scripture's clear that in the last days, perilous times would come. And, and the Bible speaketh expressly, 
this is a this is getting right down to the nitty gritty expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith what faith the faith we're supposed to fight for put up a real fight for earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints because the faith is not built on what's trending it's built upon the apostles it's built upon truth eternal truth everybody say eternal truth it's built upon the apostles it's built upon the prophets Amen. And Jesus Christ, it's on our website, just came up on it. The scripture is the chief cornerstone of our faith. Can you say amen? But you can't throw out Isaiah and you can't throw out Ezekiel because there's some judgments pronounced. You can't throw out Paul's writings. You can't throw him out. We can't pick and choose like it's a cafeteria. Can you say amen? It's not like the golden corral. Lord, they got some prime rib over in that place. I saw the commercial. You can, they, they got all, I mean, they got the good stuff. You know, it's not out of a can. They got steak and, and I haven't been there in years, but moving right along. Okay. I saw the saliva. Wait a minute. We'll get it. I'm so glad I'm looking for the coming of Jesus because I'm longing for him. I'm longing for him. I'm longing for him. Song of Solomon, to get young people to read it, one pastor said, I I told them that the Song of Solomon was PG-13 to make sure that all the teenagers read it. Can you say amen? Because it is a love story. Why is it in the Bible? It's about a man loving a woman intimately. Personally, powerfully, it's about desire. It's about, but it's desire born out of love. It's not just this thing we call love today, spelled L-U-S-T. Can you say, man, it's the genuine love. But there's desire, desire between this man and this woman. And this woman is not the beauty uh, uh, the reason we can take this and apply it without doing uh, injustice because God left it in the scripture, number one. And because Ephesians 5 said, this desire with this devoted love is not just a man and a woman. Paul's talking about the way a man ought to love his wife and how a wife ought to love her husband. And then you know what he says? He said, I'm going to show you a mystery. Amen. This is not just about this love that you can see uh, the way it ought to be between a husband and wife. This I speak of Christ and his church. Can you say amen? For no man ever hated his own body, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as Christ the church. God wants to nourish you with his word. He wants to cherish you with his love. There's a beautiful scripture, Nahum chapter one and verse seven. And it says, it says, it says the Lord knoweth them that are his. And the word for knoweth is not just the knowledge of you spiritually or personally. It's the word for cherish. He said, you're mine. I cherish you. We read it last week when I come to take up my jewels. Those whom I cherish, praise God. Hallelujah. This is intimacy. This is the reason that you're going to heaven. This is the reason that you're not going to hell if you're a Christian. It's because God wants intimacy with you. And the church don't know a lot about spiritual intimacy. But Jesus said to the church of Laodicea that was so materialistic, not interested in that relationship with him except what he could do for them. The richest church in Asia. And he said, you're poor, miserable blind and naked. I counsel you to buy me gold and tried in the fire that you may be rich and white raiment that you may be clothed and the shame of your nakedness does not appear. As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Be zealous for repentance. Hallelujah. Because what? Repentance brings restoration. But he said, behold, I stand at the door. And we picture the heart. 
I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and him with me. The purpose of salvation is not to just get you to heaven and make sure you don't go to hell. That's not the primary. That's the byproduct of the primary purpose of salvation. Wow. Some people are looking at me like a calf at a new gate. That bothered you? I can see you're paying strict attention to the piece of lint on my coat. I'll finish this message to her when we get home. I know. I know. If I didn't have help wiping my mouth, something about something about these these kind of teeth that anyway, moving right along. Sister Patty was so concerned about me. Remember Sister Patty, Brother George? When I finally got my Robux, they used to call them, when you could order, order your teeth from Sears Roebuck and uh, send them some kind of something. And, well, when I got my Robux, uh, she, was, she was deeply concerned. She said, what if he starts preaching like he preaches and he blows them out of his mouth? And I thought, you know, that's a legitimate question. I mean... What if, you know how I preach sometimes. What if he blows them out of his mouth? Well, thank God for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And fix the dent. (laughs) Hallelujah. Nobody in here has dentures. Upper, lower, partial plate. No? Look, two people are going to be honest with me today. Amen. Hallelujah. And there are people that, that have their own teeth, but they're covering them up. I told my wife today about a, a guy that said he went to the dentist because his teeth were very, very deeply yellowed. And, 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 and he, said, he, said, he, said, he said, sir, can you do anything to, about my yellow teeth? What can I do about my yellow teeth? He said, wear a brown tie. Anyway, moving. It, it's okay. It's, it's okay. It's, it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. I'm glad I'm saved today. I'm glad when he knocked on my door, I run to open it. I'm glad I welcomed him in. I want to tell you what this is all about, what it's really all about today. We think it's just a free ticket to heaven so we can escape hell. It's much more than that. He said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, amen. If he hear my voice, you knock on my door and I don't want to come, I can play dead. I can, I can get down on the floor and be very still and, and muzzle my dog so he don't even bark. And maybe you'll think I'm gone somewhere. But if you know I'm in there and you start saying, Brother Venable, Brother Venable. See, it's not just knocking on the door, it's the voice. It's the voice. When God calls you, you're going to hear that call. It will not be audible, but it will be personal. It will be to you, and you will know it when it happens. How many, when God called you to salvation, you knew you were called to salvation? You had the choice to make, but He called you, praise God. Hallelujah. Many many are called. Few are chosen. What makes you chosen? Amen. When you answer the call. He's already chose you before the foundation of the world. He wants everybody to be saved. It's not his will that any perish, but at all have eternal life. But you have to answer a call. No man comes to me except my father. Draw him. Listen, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and I will sup with him. And him with me. That's why you're going to heaven. That's why you're not going to hell. Because you've been reconciled to God. Hallelujah. 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 That's why in the New Testament that the apostles and the disciples, they said, for truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. 
Our koinonia is the Greek word. Intimacy between two people. And it's the intimacy that's missing that has caused the devotion not to be present. If you fall in love with Christ and He's already in love with you, devotion is going to be the result of that love. I'm devoted to my wife. I would, I would lay down my life for my wife. Christ is devoted to us. He, he laid down His life for us. And He calls us to lay down our life, speaking of that old person and that old way in our flesh for Him. Deny yourself. Take Anybody that's devoted don't have a problem with that. People that don't understand intimacy don't like to hear that. Crucifying the flesh is so foreign to so many people that name His name. We keep going with the flow. Instead of going against the grain in order to serve him. The reason he saved you is for fellowship. He's, he, to wit, the scripture said God was in Jesus Christ on the cross as the context. Reconciling the world unto himself. Jesus paid the sin debt for the whole world. Don't get into that thing that before the foundation you were destined to be saved or lost. It's not his will that any perish. If it's not his will that any perish, that blows that clean out of the water. Because they're saying it is his will that some people are going to go to hell in spite of everything and some are going to go to heaven in spite of everything. But the Bible is very, very clear. It's not his will that any perish, but that all have eternal life. That's why the missionaries go tell them the good news. That's why we're, we're to go in all the world and preach that good news to only the elect. No, to every creature. He that believes shall be saved. He that believes not shall be damned. But we're supposed to give them the opportunity to make that eternal choice. Can you say amen? The just has suffered for the unjust. That he might what? Get us to heaven and keep us from going to hell. No, that's the byproduct of the primary reason Jesus came. The primary reason Jesus died on the cross. And I'm glad this is the reason. I'm glad that he wants us to be where he is forever. I'm glad he wants us near him. I'm glad he wants a relationship with us here and now before we get there. And the message is be reconciled to God. To wit, God was in Jesus Christ on the cross, reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. The just suffering for the unjust that he might bring us to God. Jesus talked about the place, but if you want to really just see the place that we're going to live forever, instead of the person that we're going to live forever with, then you'll have to go to the book of Revelation and get a description of the holy city. And that's a wonderful place. Who wouldn't want to live there? But it's not about the place. It's about the person and his love for you. Listen to this carefully. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions, Jesus said. If it were not true, I would have told you. See, this is not about what's trending. This is about truth. I would have told you if it wasn't true. In my father's house, there are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. I remember evangelists coming that were not very astute in scripture. That is studying. They preached under holy anointings and they were wonderful people. But they said, just think, and they use this analogy. That if Jesus for 2,000 years has been preparing the city, he's been, you know, in, in the sense that Jesus is directing the construction of the holy city. No, no, Jesus, listen, Jesus was God incarnate, God in flesh. God created this universe and he didn't have to take a long time to do it. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. He said, let there be a firmament. I believe in the big bang theory. Spiritually. God said, let there be and bang, there was. 
Oh, it's okay, Paige, it's okay, it's okay. She jumped like a frog. Uh, uh, anyway, it's going to be all right. You'll get used to me one of these days. I think maybe someday, hallelujah, there was a firmament. God, God listen, preparing the place, preparing the place. When Jesus raised from the dead, Mary ran and wanted to grab him by the garment. She wanted to get a hold of his feet. She thought they'd lost him forever. And she said, if I can get a hold of him, I ain't going to let him go. Can you say amen? And he said, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended. Amen. Now, it wasn't because in this glorified body somehow or another, because when Thomas saw him in the same glorified body, Amen. And he doubted because he could not, his mind, put it in our language, he couldn't get his mind wrapped around the fact that the man he saw dead, amen, and dying on and dead after the cross. This man was standing before him. He said he thought he saw a spirit. And Jesus pulled his robe open and said, put your hand in my side where the wound was because he was going to feel bones inside that skin. He said, for a spirit doesn't have flesh and bones. Can you, if you want to know what kind of body he come out of the tomb with, he come out of a flesh and bone body. Can you say, man? But something he hadn't done yet was uh, kind of mysterious, but it was true. He preparing the place for us by shedding his blood spiritually on the mercy seat in heaven. A type of it was a literal one here on the earth, but there was a spiritual one in heaven. And he said, I've got to go and take care of that. But once that's taken care of, the place is prepared for you. Because those who could never enter on their own merit, those who could never have access on their own goodness or righteousness, now have an open door to the holy city. Because he's took that redeeming, reconciling blood and shed it on the mercy seat in our behalf. Can you say, man, the place is prepared today. Hallelujah. Amen. The place is ready. And now he's prepared. He's prepared the place for us. But guess what he's doing now? He's preparing a people for the place. Glory be to God. That's why that call is here today for you to be a separated person. Because he's preparing us for the place. Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might. Here's the preparation of the people, the church. The saved ones, the born again ones, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot, not having wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy. That doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. It's that word that's interchangeable many times with sanctifications, cleansed first and set apart for a holy purpose. Can you say amen? Thank God the place is prepared for us. And right now in this last day generation, he's preparing a people for the place. Hallelujah. That's why we feel convicted over things. That's why he's saying, touch not the unclean thing, and I will what? Receive you. He's already saved you, but he wants fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Come out from among them. Who is them? Everyone that doesn't know Jesus. Don't be self-righteous and be separated. We're, we're, don't take them out of the world, Jesus said, but keep them from the evil one. Leave them there to be a witness. They're the light and they're the salt. Hallelujah. But in order to be a witness, we have to be separate. We have to be separated unto him. Come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, saith God. Hallelujah. For what fellowship hath light and darkness? Somebody said, well, I have to give up my flaky friends when I get saved. No, live for God, and they'll quit you. Amen. And God ought to be more important. Amen. I said God ought to be more important. I don't apologize for that. You say, but what about my husband, wife? No man has left house or land. Sister, brother, husband, wife. I love my wife. I die for her, but I will not give up Christ for her. Can you say, man, are you hearing me today? Amen. Can't nobody 
do me like Jesus. He's my friend, my forever friend. Amen. Earthly friends come and go. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, but they're hard to find. Amen. I'm glad my wife is my friend. I love weddings where the bride and groom want to be friends with one another. (laughs) And they want that incorporated into the ceremony. We got into hyper-faith movement. People didn't want to say the traditional vows because it said in sickness and in health. I think that's a good promise. If it wasn't for that, amen. What you've been through, thank God, that's a good promise. That God doesn't, I don't know how much he appreciates that, but he ought to hold you in high esteem, amen, because you stuck with him in sickness and in health. My wife, in poverty or wealth. We, 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 she, she hasn't known the wealth part yet, but she stuck with me. <laughs> she said, I'm still waiting for that. See if I can handle him when he gets rich or handle the riches. <laughs> like the T-shirt that said, Lord, help me, help me to win the lottery so I can show you that it won't change me. <laughs> we could try, right? <laughs> She stuck with me when we had hardly anything to eat. But I worked as hard as I could and did my best. And because I did my best, she stuck with me through it. And she never criticized me and never complained. And I owe her big time for that time in our life. It was a tough time. But, but love for one another and devotion kept us together, not afraid of those vows in sickness and in health for richer, for poor, poverty or in wealth until death do us part. That's devotion. It ought to be there. You're not asking to be sick. You're saying if it happens, this person is not going to quit me. It's not going to quit me. Oh, friend, it means more to me now than ever. Sometimes when we're stepping off a curb, I offer my wife my arm. And she grabs it. (laughs) Hallelujah. She don't want to fall no more. She said, I don't bounce anymore when I fall down. Amen. But, But God has been so good to us. And God is so good. I want to get back to finish this very quickly, and we will, we will get into the Enoch generation when we can. But right now, we're in Ephesians chapter 5. The Lord loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might present it unto himself, a glorious church, not having spot, nor wrinkle, nor any such thing, but that it should be holy. Can you say man? Hallelujah. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 7. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. Thank God for that. And he knows them that are his. And the Hebrew word is cherish. He doesn't just know you with his foreknowledge or his his knowledge of your heart he cherishes you the reason he says run to me in the day of trouble is because i love you with all of my heart can you say man this is that part of him it's not just what he does it's who he is hasid Hallelujah, thy loving kindness is better than life <laughs> thus i will praise thee can you say man Intimacy with God is not what most Christians are seeking. And yet it is what God is seeking above everything else is intimacy with his people. So Jesus says, in my father's house, there are many mansions. The word mansion simply, see, he didn't talk about, you know, what we may visualize. In fact, I, I, I'm just going to tell you something that I, I feel like based on the manna of the Old Testament before we close in just a few moments. When that manna came down, they'd never seen anything like it. Everything they needed for their nutrition rained out of heaven. It was only, oh, by the way, you couldn't put it in a jar and 
save it for the next day. You had to eat it that day. It's spoiled. If you didn't eat it, it's spoiled. And you needed the fresh every single day. And the word manna means, what is it in the Hebrew? They'd never seen it before. Heavenly food coming down out of heaven. By the way, Jesus relates to that. He said, I'm the true bread. Amen. God fed you with man in the wilderness, but something's here better than manna. I'm the bread of life. I'm the true bread. And you can, he that eats of my body and drinks of my blood spiritually partakes of him. Shall never hunger and never thirst. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And uh, did they get it? They were not ready to receive it. The Bible said when he said that, they thought of cannibalism. How can we eat his body and drink his blood? That's the most awful, horrid thing I've ever heard. In my, and many turned and left him. That's what caused them to do it, is that revelation of what he wants to share with us in terms of spiritual intimacy. He looked at his disciples and they were sitting there with their mouth wide open. I can't believe he said that. Will you leave me too? They said, where can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We don't get it yet. <laughs> but we're not going to go nowhere else and hunt it. Because we know you have it. And one day they understood it. And you know when they really begin to get it? The first Holy Communion after the cross. <laughs> when they tore that piece of bread and said, the, and said his word, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood that is shed for you. And they begin to move into that intimate fellowship with Christ. Can you say, man? Why does he want the door of the heart to open? So he can come in. And why has he prepared heaven? So we can be with him and he can be with us. The place is so we can be together. So the emphasis is not on the place, but on the person who loves us that much. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, this is the purpose of the place. That where I am, there ye may be also. I want you to live with me in this city forever. I don't want to be apart from you down there. That's why I sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, another Comforter. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to prepare this place so we can be together forever. Talk about intimacy. We're going to eat when we get there. I love you, Sean. I'll never forget it. Talking about I buffet. I buffet my body. It's spelled B-U-F-F-E-T. I buffet my body. The scripture said, Paul, I don't fight as one that beateth the air, but I buffet my body. And he said, of course. Did you say buffet? <laughs> I buffet my body. Did you know him and his daddy went to a lobster place near Orlando? All you can, I don't care for lobster, so I can talk about it without drooling. The rest of you drool on. Amen. And it's all you could eat, lobster. And I just would like to know, how many lobsters did you and him destroy before leaving? Sixteen. That's that's not counting the side dishes, the lobsters themselves. We're not talking about crawfish. We're talking about lobsters, sea roaches. They crawl around the bottom and eat. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to get him away from gluttony. Anyway, it costs a lot when it's all you can eat, lobster. Sixteen between the two of them. Math. That's eight apiece, right? Eight lobsters, not counting the side dishes, the, the coleslaw and the whatevers. I know. 
Wouldn't it be something if we were as hungry for that fellowship and we were as thirsty that we would just feast on the bread of life and drink from the water of life. When I found out he loved me enough to want me in that place, so Jesus never talked about that place. John did. He'd tell you everything you need to know about the place. Jesus is telling you about the person who wants you there forever to live with him in his city that he's prepared for you, not by the building of it. I think it's going to be a long time before you look down at the Golden Street and say, whoa, that's beautiful. I don't think that's what's going to take you and grab your attention. I think when you see him, who still has the only body in heaven that still bears the scars of his love and passion for us will be the scars of Jesus because he had the holes in his hand when he was resurrected. Disfigured people will not have disfiguration. Their bodies will be perfect, but he will bear the scars for eternity and they will be beautiful to us. There won't be anything that makes us draw back when he was first crucified. It said there was nothing when we see him, Isaiah 53, that we should desire him. He was repulsive. Said we saw him, we considered him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. Surely he bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. And the reason we'll be thankful throughout eternity, we'll be reminded eternally that the reason we're here, because he prepared a place for us and prepared us for the place through his sacrificial death and suffering on the cross. He wants us with him. So there's the marriage supper of the lamb. The angel is declaring This is a marriage supper. This is the consummation of the whole purpose and person of the cross. This is the celebration. Paul said, until that occurs, I've espoused you, hallelujah, to one husband. Amen. You're espoused that I may present you in a way that only the Holy Spirit working with the word in our life can do. A chaste virgin. Amen. As if you had never sinned. And if you do, you get it under the blood by repenting and confessing that you may be presented to him a glorious bride. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's the primary reason. Of course, you're not going to hell. Of course, you're going to live in heaven. But the reason was for fellowship and relationship. And the average church member don't get it. And the average clergyman don't even get it. So he can't teach it. He can't teach it. He's not walking in that fellowship and that sweetness and that love. Some people are walking in rigid rules that they're not keeping from the heart. If God ever captures your heart, all the commandments are fulfilled. Thou shalt love and thou shalt love. You get those two right, you don't need the other ones. If you love your neighbor, listen... There's two, two and great commandments. And on these two great commandments hang all the law and the prophets. They're all hinged to that. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some kind of religious, ritualistic, rigid kind of love. No, thou shalt love him with all your heart, soul, mind, body, spirit, everything you are and everything you have. And the only way you can do that is know how much he loves you and let it stimulate that devotion back to him. 
Because if you're not devoted to him, you can forget denying yourself. You can forget taking up your cross, which simply means crucifying your flesh in order to obey God. Amen. And you can forget following him because that's the two prerequisites for following him. Let this mind be in you. The only way to follow him, if you're going to imitate him and follow his example, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ the Lord, who thought it not robbery to be called equal with God, but he humbled himself, took on himself the form of a servant, was obedient to the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you. For as much as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself with the same mind, First Peter. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. <laughs> that he mo- no more live his life to the will of the flesh, but to the will of God. Amen. It's devotion that brings that, not emotion. You see people come to church, get excited, walk out the door, fall on their face, turn their, turn their back on God, love the world more than Christ, love the, 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 their peers more than Christ, not interested in developing intimacy with God or with Jesus because we're just getting free tickets to heaven. We don't understand that there's something Way more important. What could be more important? God says, your relationship with me and to me. As important as where you spend eternity. But if you get that relationship with him, you're guaranteed to live with him forever. Hallelujah. I will no wise turn you away if you come that way. Hallelujah. Without intimacy, religion is a dead thing. It's just a dead thing. It's a ritual. It's a routine after a while. And the passion, no wonder the first love was gone out of this church that was so good at practicing the right religion. It was the right religion. Christianity. He commended them on all the things they were doing right and said, I've got something against you. And boy, did that shock them. If I'm doing all this right, what could you possibly have against me? I've tried them to say they're apostles, found them to be liars. I'm bearing up under the persecutions. What could possibly be wrong? He said, because you've left your first love. I have preached for years about returning to the first love, rekindling the first love. But we're in the last of the last days. And the religious crowd is so shallow now. I have discovered that many people who name the name of Jesus have never had the first love kindled. You can't rekindle something that's never burned in the first place. How do you know? Because used to people would hear a message and if they were not right with God, they hit the altar. Nobody had to even call them. They heard this message. They were convicted in their heart. And I would run to the altar and think, boy, I don't know what they're going to think of me. I guess they think I've got a lot of sin to take care of. Here I am in the altar again, you know, and I'd look around the altar be full of people weeping before the Lord. That's when I got saved because the first love makes you tender hearted. The first love makes you devoted. The first love makes you want to go to church more than you want to go to fishing. The first love makes you want to go to church more than you want to go hunting. And I'm not just talking about out in the woods. I'm talking about the mall. Can you say, man, the first love? Yeah. We got a lot of hunting people on Sunday. Amen. Listen to me. The first love would draw you to God. The first love will make you hungry for the house of God. The first love will make you hungry to worship God. The first love will make you want to serve God. Hallelujah. It'll, it'll cause you to love God. And Jesus said, remember from whence you are fallen. Repent and do what you used to do. Don't wait to feel what you used to feel. Start doing what you used to do, and the feeling will come back. The fire will be rekindled. Come, get back in his word. Get back in his house. Hallelujah. Get the kingdom priority again. 
Make Jesus Lord of your life again. Hallelujah. Spend time worshiping Him and serving Him. And after a while, you find yourself loving Him like you used to love Him. Do your first works. And He said, if you don't, if you do not, it's intolerable, even though all of this show is put on. I will come to thee quickly. I will come to thee quickly. I won't put up with it. I'm not going to wait. He's long-suffering, but he said, on this issue, I'm not going to wait and see if I'm worth serving. I'll come to you quickly, and I will remove your lampstand. You'll have an empty profession. It won't affect anybody, including you. I'll take it. It'll be gone. Nobody cares that you're a Christian anymore. Your light isn't shining. There's no sense of of your devotion to your king. You're just one of those church-going people judging everybody else. Amen? What's a lampstand do? It illuminates. It accentuates. You're the light. You're the light. Without a lampstand, you have no light because that word candlestick is lampstand and it was fueled by oil. And oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That's why so many ineffective Christians have no impact on anyone around them. Church having no preserving power while the earth putrefies with churches on every corner without lampstands because they're not in love with Christ. So they're not interested in devotion to him. And the world sees through us. They see through us. We can't see ourselves, And that's why Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see what? See yourself as I see you. And as you truly are. Why? So we can repent. And so we can be restored. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the church, not the world. I remember loving him so much. I'd get home late from work. Pentecostal church, you can't be late. We're in love with the Lord. We didn't want to leave. It's 1030 at night. They're still there. We came out beside 574 in Plant City at our church. We're standing around outside, about two dozen of us. It's 1030 at night. Baptists have been asleep for two hours already. Amen. Methodists too. Here we are hanging out with God and hanging out with one another, hating to leave the presence of God. Somebody say, Brother Cooper, would you pray for me? And we'd all gather around that person, pastor, lay hands on their head, and right out beside the road, <laughs> God's power would come down and somebody would fall out in spirit into the grass, flat on their back under the power of God, and then we didn't want to go nowhere. God is moving out here in front of the church in the grass. Now we got a choir that sing like angels of heaven. We got an orchestra playing for them to sing. We got a building that'll knock your eye out, but we don't have people experiencing the manifest presence of God in that building. They don't even know it gets any better. Beer commercial to try to get you to buy more said it don't get no better than this. Can you say, man, there's a lot of church people, it don't get no better than what they think they have. Honey, it gets a lot better. It better get better than that. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. When it gets the way it's supposed to, you'll be like David. I was glad. 
I was glad, 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 glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Why? Because he was going to get in proximity to the earthly manifestation of the presence of God. Can you say amen? He said, didn't make me sad that Sunday showed up. Oh, Lord, I got to get up in the morning and go be bored stiff. No, I got to get up and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I am happy to do that. Can you say, man, he's been so good to me. Hallelujah. He's been too good to me for me to just sit there saying, entertain me. Do something fun for heaven's sakes. That's fine. If you're six years old, we understand it. But if you're 60, you have an issue. If you're 40, you have an issue. If you're 30, you have an issue. So most churches are deeply into the entertainment business. Most churches, I don't back up, I'm going to be like Trump. I'm going to double down on it. If you don't believe it, go around a while. Are you challenged like this to get back to God and get close to God? No. Will you be? No. Preacher don't even know about that. I've been around as much as 60 pastors in a room. And I can tell you there are few of that 60 that are seeking intimacy with God. They don't understand. They don't get it. So they can't lead anybody to it. But without it, we lose our first love. Without it, we may never even get the first love to start with. Undevoted people. Easily taken captive by the enemy. Easily taken captivated by the world. Captured by the enemy and captivated by the world. And for the six days between services, there's no evidence of a Christian calling. No evidence of a following of Jesus Christ. And no message to challenge that attitude from the pulpit. So we call that our faith, the practice of our faith. And it's really the shining example and the glaring truth of our failure to be a witness to anybody. Because for six days, our values match their values. There is no Sabbath anymore. Your company don't care about your faith because you don't care about it. Why should they? Why should they? We all don't care about your faith in Christ. Shove that aside. I'm offering you this. Shove that aside. I'm offering you that. Why did they, why did they sanctify a day? It's not the law. It, it's about love. It's not the law. It's love. It's love. They love their master. So we're not like the money-grubbing, pleasure-loving world that loves pleasure more than God. We love God more than pleasure. In fact, He is our pleasure. At His right hand, there's something the world don't know anything about. Their pleasure forevermore. Can you say amen? But it's nothing that the world can give you. It's beyond anything the world can offer. That's why the Bible said don't love it. It's passing away. Hallelujah. But my kingdom is forever. When I quit my job in order to be in God's house and worship and serve him, they looked at me like I was the stupidest man in the world. It was tough for a few months, but that was the foundation. That was the foundation. The king was first. The kingdom was first. Amen. So the church world is in the entertainment business today, and I doubled down on it. I know preachers that don't know anything about intimacy with God. So they can't challenge you. 
They can give you theological truth, scripture. But without loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, that's the first and great commandment. How are we going to keep that if it's not stimulated and we're not challenged? And the second's likened to it because it's a love commandment. First is vertical. Second is horizontal. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God, heart, soul, mind, body. That's not this religious brand, church. This is, brings deep devotion. Can you say man? Not simply emotion. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments. You know something? You could actually take down the ten and put up the two. Because if you keep the two, you don't need the rest of them. You don't need God to tell you not to murder if you love your neighbor. You don't need God to tell you not to commit adultery if you love your Christian sister and your brother. You don't need God to tell you not to steal if you love that person. You're not going to steal from them. Is that true? Does all the law hang on it? Does it really? Can you keep the other eight by keeping the first two? Well, what is the first one before you go anywhere else? Brother, remember, I don't steal from nobody. Listen, when people were not devoted to God, they robbed him in Malachi. They robbed God. Oh, because they didn't love him enough to have him in first place. They didn't honor him with the first fruits. They tried to give him their leftovers. And he said, you keep it. I don't want it. Honor me with the first fruits of all thine increase and see if I won't prove me herewith. Put me first. It's not about money. It's about where God is in your life. And see if I won't open unto you the windows of heaven. Let it rain. And pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to contain it. Honor the Lord with the first fruits of all of thine increase. That means put the kingdom first in your life and the king first in your life. So thy barn shall be filled with fatness and burst over. And we're not just talking about material gain. We're talking about God's favor, God's blessing, God's presence in your life. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we've established the world don't care about your faith. Here's the challenge. Do you care? Do you care? Do you care? One thing my son saw in me, I want you all to hear it. My son saw in me that Jesus was first in my life. That the job wasn't, the money wasn't, the world wasn't, that Jesus was. Can you say amen? And I'm glad that my son didn't just hear, but he seen my value system. He knew it. He knew it. We were invited to a birthday party, and just before the party, I got a call. And he said, Dad, you're very welcome. We'd be glad to have you, but I know that you won't be comfortable. Because at that birthday party, there was going to be a lot of friends of so-and-so and a lot of the band members he used to play music with back in the day. And there's going to be drinking and there's going to be all of this stuff. And he knew my daddy's value system will not allow him to enter into that. He will be uncomfortable. And what he didn't say, I read between the lines, is going to make me uncomfortable if he comes. I'm glad. I'm glad he knew I'm not going to try to blend. I'm not going to stand on a soapbox and pray over the food and try to preach half a message instead of blessing the food. Can you say, man, you don't have to do anything. Just love God with all your heart. Can you say, man, somebody will be uneasy around you. And not just in the world, some people in the church world. So the world don't care about Sunday. 
They don't care about any kind of day that Christians have set aside to honor him. Not under the law, but because we love him supremely. They don't care. They told me, as long as you work here, man says, you're going to do what we tell you to do. And, you know, I was very polite as I walked away and quit. You don't have to fire me. Amen. Did we hurt? Oh, yeah. Was it a sacrifice? You betcha. <laughs> I'm, I'm working for, for minimum wage at a service station just filling in for my dad for about four hours. <laughs> we, we'd given our grocery budget away to a lady that her husband had left her. Felt bad about giving it away till we found out that that's how God blesses you. <laughs> and a lady pulls in to get gas, and I run out full service back then and cleaned her windshield, filled her up with gas, put gas in her car. We didn't know how we were going to get groceries that week. She got through, checked everything. I said, ma'am, everything is fine. She gave me the money. I gave her a chain. She pulled out. And she come around the block and pulled right back in. And I thought, what, what's she coming back for? Did I forget to check the air in her tires? I checked the oil. I cleaned the bugs off her windshield, you know. And she said, I've never done this before in my life, but I feel like I'm supposed to do this. And she pulled out of her pocketbook a $20 bill. I'll tell you how long ago this was. This was our grocery budget that 20 bucks a week and we had to stretch it brother sister and she handed me that 20 dollars and i thought lord look at him look at him hallelujah the lord knows my need and the lord talking to people about meeting my need because i put him first and he's going to take care of me Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his what? What you're supposed to be hungry for? Righteousness. And all these things that the Gentiles seek. He didn't say you didn't need them. He said, but I'm going to take care of that. You don't have to compromise your faith for that. Can you say, man, you'll have my favor. Glory to God. And I learned a lesson that day that I've been practicing to this day. I don't have to compromise with the world. Amen. I can keep my faith and keep his favor. Thank you. Can you? say man and I'm going to be just fine I was young and now I'm old but I've never seen the righteous forsaken I've never seen his seed out begging for bread can you say man hallelujah will you stand to your feet today we're past time which is normal for us if you'd like to give before you go, here's the offering tray. We would deeply and do deeply appreciate it. I'm going to ask this question. If Jesus was here today and the scripture says he is. And if he asked you and me about the first love. What would be your answer? You say, Brother Ben, you're making me feel bad. No, I'm wanting you to get under the wings of love so that in this very dangerous day, you can be kept safe and secure. And so that you can have a meal barrel that never runs empty, even if a famine comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to see hands today. Pastor Venable, I want the first love to burn in my heart. Let me see your hand if you want it. Second hand raise. I need the first love to burn. I need that. I need that. Oh, Brother Taylor, that's the Holy Spirit. Just bring that right on out. Bring it, bring it out. Mm. I'm lifting my wings to you like I did over Jerusalem. Come. Come. 
that I may cover you. For the storm is coming, saith God. But my wings will cover you. Run to me. And I will cover thee. Return to me. And I will return to you. Saith the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's just thank Him for this service today. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to run for Jesus. I'm ready for, I'm ready, I'm ready for restoration in my life, in my home and in my family. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Give Him praise in this room. I'm going to ask you another question because I really need to know this before we leave. Is it worth your time to be over time to not just be entertained and sent out just like you walked in but to be challenged so that God can make some changes in our hearts and in our lives and in our nation and in our world praise God now this last question more important than anything in all of the world If you died today, I'm not asking about if you were ever baptized in water. I'm not even asking if you were baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm not asking about your church affiliation or your religious upbringing. If you died today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? And if you do not, are you ready to repent of your sin and call upon Jesus because you do not want the enemy to be your master anymore. You don't want to be lost. You don't want to be damned. When I was preparing this message last night, another message was laying on my desk. And it's to close this part of our service with. Jesus looked out at people that sin had crushed. And he said, Ho, ho, you that labor and are heavy laden, come to me. Come to me. Take my yoke upon you. Commit to my lordship in your life. And learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in spirit. And you will find what drugs can't give you, what sin can't give you, what the world can't give you. You will find rest for your soul. But there's another scripture where Jesus says, depart from me to those who wouldn't come to him, who refused his offer of grace and mercy, who chose darkness over light, sin over Christ, and Satan over God. Depart from me, and that's a forever thing. That's a forever thing. You that work iniquity. I don't know you. And the worst thing was they claimed to know him, but they knew in their heart that they didn't. And he knew they knew, and they still refused to turn their back on Satan and sin and self and make Jesus the Lord of their life so he could take out that heart of stone and replace it with the heart of clay.